On March 25th, the St. Philip Institute hosted a women's retreat called Favored here in the Diocese of Tyler. It was a really beautiful day full of prayer and fellowship, and we had keynote talks by Chika and Yanwu, Sister Josephine Garrett, myself, and beautiful music ministry from Jackie Angel. Over the next three weeks, we would like to share the keynote talks that were given that day. First up is a talk by Chika and Yanwu called Worldly Favor. This was my first time meeting Chika, and she is such a joy and a blessing. Chika talks about what can happen when our sense of worth and the desires of our heart aren't rooted in God first and foremost. She shares her own story in a beautiful way that will leave you feeling uplifted and encouraged. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Oh, friends, it is an absolute, absolute joy to be here with y'all, y'all. Uh, it's funny because, well, no, I think that Californians say it too. So I'm originally from Southern California, and I'm going to uh, unhook this. I apologize for your eardrums. There we go. Um, I'm originally from Southern California, and we're just kind of lazy with our words. So every once in a while, a y'all comes out, but it's a different Southern accent. So. <laughs> Um, yes, like Sister said, is it, it is an absolute joy to be here and to pray with you and to pray for you. So please know, not just from me, but from so many others, that each and every one of you have been an intentional prayer. Like just God knows that you are coming and even those who couldn't come, like God knows that you are meant to be here. We even prayed like Holy Spirit precede us, that before you even heard one of us say a word, sing a song before you even stepped foot on this property, that the Holy Spirit was already at work in your lives and in your homes. So whether you've had the best week leading up to this or the worst week leading up to this, um, you're here now. I just want us to take a moment to recognize like this, you're safe. Like in this moment, you are safe. Hopefully you've been fed, caffeinated or hydrated Hopefully you feel either the temperature that you want it to be is okay in here. <laughs> You're amongst friends or soon to be friends. If you have not met the person next to you, go ahead and just do that right now, real quick. Just look around your table. Have you met someone? Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Great, so now you're amongst friends. Good job. <laughs> and you can breathe easy. So uh, in John chapter one, I think it's verse, John one verse 38. I love this question. It's the first words that we hear from Jesus in the gospel of John, John 1 38. And he poses this question to the disciples of John the Baptist, who John says, you know, behold the Lamb of God, like I'm not he, there he goes. So they go up to him and Jesus says, first words in John 1 38. What do you seek? 
what are you looking for? And it's funny because he's God. <laughs> he already knows the answer. When we, when he knows what we are looking for, and yet he's such a loving God that he wants us to tell him. He wants to be in a relationship and in a friendship with us. And so he poses that question to you. And I want you to take a moment to answer him. So friends, what are you looking for? What is it that you seek? You have journals in front of you, or maybe you brought your own, or maybe you don't want to write a thing down. That's perfectly fine. Take a moment and ask, or excuse me, answer that question. What are you looking for? What do you seek? As you write, continue writing. You can write multiple things down. It's God, don't lie to him. <laughs> Be very honest with your answers. What is it that you are looking for? What do you seek? So I have lots of answers to that question and I'll share a couple of you. <laughs> um, I am 37 and single. I am uh, living in Pittsburgh, which is not California. It's not where my family lives. I am uh, recognizing that I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, something that I've known for a very long time, but it's just now like coming to surface and uh, after like having a very difficult year of dealing with it. And then it was finally like, okay, girl, you gotta do something about this. Uh, I just, there's a lot of things that I'm like, Lord, at this point in my life, I didn't expect it to look like this. I didn't know what I wanted. It's like, you know, I, I knew I wanted to have kids so I, I picked out their names, but I didn't pick out the qualities of a husband I would want. <laughs> I literally had like two identical non-conjoined twin boys. Their names are Obi Ryan and Forrest Anthony. My second girl is Ro uh, Josephine Rose, but that's after my grandma and my mom, but you too. So Josephine Rose. And then um, I've always loved this name, Corazon de Jesus, and we just call her Cor Cora. Apple core, Apple, whatever. So I have like all of these things picked out, but did I ever like think about a spouse? I was like, no, God, you'll provide that part. Just the kids and their lives that I'll control, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, it's, life isn't exactly how I expected it to be, but I also didn't really have these expectations. So when I think of that question, like, you know, well, Chica, what do you, what do you want? I'm like, Lord, I, I just want to live in my vocation. Lord, I kind of wanted life to be a little bit easier. I want to be healthier. I want to play the guitar. I want to be a great artist. I can draw a stick figure, and even that's not great. Um, I, I want focus. You know, I want to be able to focus and concentrate and get things done, like task initiation and completion. I, I, mean, I want to be financially in a better place, Lord. I mean, don't we all? Um, so if I can win the lottery, that'd be great. I promise I would tithe. Um, <laughs> like there's a whole list of things that I want in life. And there was a period of time where I was working at a church in California with my best friend. And we would talk about the things that we would want out of life. And I was a youth minister, confirmation coordinator, young adult minister, high school communion prep coordinator, because you wear lots of hats in a church. So I was doing all of these things, living my best life with my best friend. I'm loving everything. 
But there is this restlessness. And for me, the way that God speaks to me is through restlessness. When I feel restless, it's his way of saying, prepare for a change. So four years into this job, I started feeling restless, but I would shove it down because I love ministry. I love the church. I love Jesus. And I want to see him known, loved, and served by everyone. So I'm working at this church and things are great. But I'm feeling that restlessness. I shove it aside. I, you know, two years after that, I'm like, okay, maybe... Maybe you are calling me to leave, but I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do some mission work. So I took a year off and I did mission work and it was like, great, Chica, glad you did that. Got out of your system. That's not what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> so I came back into working and I talked to my best friend and there were three things I'd been praying for. I was praying for like, okay, Lord, if you're calling me out of ministry, I'm Nigerian. I can't tell my parents I'm quitting my job and I don't have another job in place. Like, do you know what they would do to me? <laughs> Huh. So uh, you got to have a job set in place for me and it has to be a better paying job because again, I'm Nigerian. We don't just take care of ourselves. We take care of everybody. So um, there's that too. I live in California, super expensive, but I want to be able to live on my own. I just want to feel like an adult and live on my own. So if you can somehow just make that a thing. And then three, like I want companionship. I, I want to be married, I, I think. And at the time I was like, do I want to be a religious sister? Do I want to be married? I'm like, no, men are great. I like that. So thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> so I prayed for these three things and I would talk about it with my best friend. And so one day I said, her name's Candace. And I said, Candace, I think God's calling me out of ministry here. Is that crazy? And she was like, no, that's so strange. I've been feeling the same way. I was like, great. Okay. You pray for me. I'll pray for you and let's just you know, keep praying for one another. So one day she comes up and she's like, Chica, I was just offered a job at this church and I think I'm gonna take it. And I'm like, girl, yes, like super excited. I am just so proud of her for getting this job. I'm like, get it girl. So she takes the job. And because we both work at this parish, I felt like, well, the, we're the youth ministry office. If we both leave at the same time, what are they gonna do? So I said, okay, you take the job. I'll stay here a year longer and just, you know, God hasn't told me where I'm going, so I'll just stay here. Um, and privately I was like, hey Jesus, thank you so much for blessing Candace. That is amazing, you were so generous. Um, I also prayed for a new job, so just don't forget about me. <laughs> like, that'd be great, thanks Jesus, amen. And then a few months later she comes to me, she's like, Chica, like, you know, new job, it pays well. I think we should get an apartment together. Like, do you want to live together? And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for asking. Heck no. <laughs> like, do you, we are so opposite of each other. And I love her dearly, but one of us wouldn't make it out of that apartment. So I was like, listen, I don't think that's a good idea, but thank you for asking. She's like, no problem, no worries. Um, so then she ends up getting an apartment with another friend of ours. And I was like, listen, I know I said no, but I didn't mean for you to go and get an apartment with someone else. Um, that's cool. Okay. So then she gets this apartment and again, I'm, I want to be a good friend. So I'm like, congratulations. That's really awesome. Hey, yo, Jesus. <laughs> I also prayed to have a place, an apartment. I know I could have said yes to her, but you know that would not have been good. So just don't forget about me, Lord. And then a few months later, she's like, Chica, I met someone. And I was like, give me a moment. Hey, yo, Jesus, <laughs> I love you and all, but right now <laughs> we're beefing. 
And can I tell you the honest truth is I love my friend. She's such a good friend. And this was the first time that not only jealousy entered our relationship, but straight up envy. Where I saw the things that she was getting, the things that I so desperately wanted. And it was kind of like, I don't even want you to have that. Like, I'm happy for you, but I'm sad for myself. And seeing you receive these things kind of hurts me. And it's not like she was doing anything to me. She was living her best life. And here I am like, I don't want you to because I'm miserable and you're not. And that kind of hurts me. And the more that I thought about it, I realized like I was just hyper fixated on her blessings. Like God has given you so much, but Lord, where are you in my life? Where are my blessings? Where is my job? Where is my apartment? Where is my spouse? Where is my, any, where are my blessings, Jesus? And the more that I thought about it, the angrier I became with God, that my prayer was just non-existent except to say good morning, hey Jesus. My prayer was the prayers of me working at a church and having to get prayers ready for the teens. I was so sad that I was actually experiencing depression. And I, it was my first time ever experiencing that sort of depression where I didn't want to get out of bed. I was sad for no reason. I was crying all the time. One day I was at church and I was just so sad. And my brother, he used to work at the school next door and he came over to me and he was like, you know, how are you doing? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like just this dullness. And he's like, oh, everything's gonna be okay. You're gonna be fine. And I remember just having tunnel vision as he walked away and I thought to myself, I don't know if it will be. Looking at other people's blessings and thinking that God has left me. And so I was at another meeting one day and this woman comes up to me and she's like, hey Chica, how are you doing? And it's funny because sometimes it's just that simple question that just unleashes the floodgates. She's not my go-to. She's just someone that I know and I do appreciate her, but she just asked me, how are you doing? And that simple question made me realize Jesus is asking the same thing. Chica, what are you seeking? You want all of these worldly favors. You want all of these, these gifts and you think they're gonna satisfy you. What, are you. what are you seeking? What do you hope to receive from them? And I just shared with her my heart, like my, my sadness, really. And she's like, you're not crazy. It's just life. Life, sometimes you'll see that others are going to go before you. They're going to survive and thrive and multiply and all the things. And, and maybe you're not. And maybe there are things that God is preparing you for, but you just can't see it right now. And it was such a simple thing that she said that I was like, oh, is that what's happening? Okay. Just went on with my life and I realized like, God, yeah, that's, you're preparing me for something, but I can't perceive it. Everything is a cloud. Everything is a fog. And I need you to walk with me. I need you to be with me because this is hard. And this, this is just, it, it's too hard. And I, I love this quote by Fulton Sheen. I used to be really afraid of Fulton Sheen because he reminded me of a vampire because it was like he was a he was a bishop and he had like that the the cloak the, and okay it was like a cape and then he just had a big booming voice anyway <clears throat> pray for us Fulton Sheen so in um, the preface to religion he says this 
When you fail to measure up to your Christian privilege, be not discouraged, for discouragement is a form of pride. The reason you are sad is because you look to yourself and not to God, to your failings, not to his love. I love this, y'all. Please listen close. He says this. God is biased in your favor. God is biased in your favor. God is more lenient than you because he's perfectly good and therefore loves you more. That God is biased in your favor. When we think that God has left us, when we think that God has forsaken us, when we think that God doesn't care, when we are angry, when we see the grass is oh so green on that other side, when we see like, God, why have you made me this way with this disability? Why did this person leave me? Why doesn't this person love me? Why don't I love myself? When we see ourselves as a burden or other people like my, my kid is sick, my spouse is not helping out. I'm, I'm just, I'm lonely, God. <laughs> just why are these things happening to me? My finances aren't right. People are judging me. God, there's just so much in the world that's happening that I'm overwhelmed, not even to what's happening to me, but what's happening around me. And God is biased in our favor. So that means that he's doing something unique in each and every one of us, despite the things that are happening to us or in us. And I please don't, I hope you don't hear that as careless or callous even. Because I also understand that some of us have been through things that are just absolutely unacceptable. And we think, God, where were you in this particular moment? Why did you allow this to permit this to happen? You didn't cause it, but it was still permitted, but why? If you are biased in my favor, Lord. I don't have a, an answer for that individually, but I do trust and believe, God bless you, that God is biased in our favor and that he loves us so dearly that he will carry us and walk with us. Mother Teresa says, I believe it's Mother Teresa, that when those things are happening, that we are so close to Jesus crucified that he's able to bend down from the cross and just kiss us. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, I don't want that kiss. <laughs> and yet, if that is a kiss, that will bring me so close to you that I can walk with you into heaven I don't suffer well, Lord, but I'll suffer with you and for you. And my heart aches just saying that because as much as I'm talking to you, please know I'm talking to myself. And that kiss is so hard. That suffering is so hard. And I want to reject it so badly. But man, I desire heaven. So Jesus, yes, I'll accept that kiss. There's a beautiful saint, her name is Saint Hyacintha Mariscotti. And uh, there's a book, a friend of mine, a friend of many of us, Meg Hunter Kilmer, she wrote this book called Pray For Us. And it's about all of these saints, many of whom we don't know. And Saint Hyacintha, it's like she's the original mean girl. 
and like way back in like the 1500s or something. And she was just someone who had, she came from money, had money, um, was all about flaunting it. And there was this man that she liked and she's like, that honey bunny is all mine. Well, guess what? That honey bunny married her sister. <laughs> okay, right? So she was like so angry because she's like, no, that's not how things go. That's not what I want. And she decided to just terrorize everyone. Everyone who got in her way, especially her family, they were going to wreak the havoc of her sadness. She was so angry and they didn't know what to do. Her dad's like, I have no idea what to do with this girl. So they shipped her off to the convent. <laughs> they said, right, her sister's like, mm. anyway. So they, <laughs> they shipped her off to the convent and she's like, I'll take these vows. I won't necessarily live by them. So she was like, I'm gonna wear a habit, but it's gonna be made out of the finest material, the finest silk, the finest, whatever I can get, I will not live below my means. She would have parties in her room. She was disobedient and just all the things. So finally, she got really sick and she was like, okay, Jesus, if you cure me from this sickness, I promise I will follow you. Well, she gets better. And guess what? She was like, psych, ha! <laughs> so she goes back to living this duplicitous life in the convent, doing whatever she wants, whenever she wants, and she wasn't gonna answer to anyone. Then she got sick again. <laughs> and this time it was worse. And she recognized she can't play God. She can't fool him. And all of those things that she was looking for, the things that she was seeking in life, materials weren't going to bring her happiness. A spouse wasn't going to bring her happiness. The reality is the only true source of joy is God. So she said that prayer again of, okay, Jesus, if you can heal me, if you will make me whole, I promise I will give my life to you. I promise that, that I will serve you and I will love you. And so when she did get better, she sold everything. She truly took on that vow of poverty and chastity and obedience. And she dedicated her life to the mission of the church, to serve the poor and to love well, to, to pray and really be a woman of prayer. When we encounter Jesus and when we offer to him our desires, those things that we are seeking, Listen, it's not going to be easy. One of my favorite scripture passages, it says uh, when Jesus is like, in this world, you will have trouble. Like that's a promise. He promises us that. And the devil's a jerk and he's like, period. In this world, you will have trouble, period. So why are you following Jesus? Why do you care? Do what you want with whomever you want. Don't even worry about it. And that's not the case. Jesus is like, I didn't put a period there. Shut up, go to hell. <laughs> to the devil, you know, like, what are you doing? He says, in this world you will have trouble, but have courage, be stout-hearted, be steadfast. I have conquered the world. We need to remember that. Jesus has conquered the world. And we aren't just living for this life, we are living for eternity. We are not living for the temporal, we are living for the eternal, and that is heaven. So where, what is that change in our lives that we need? I love that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there is um, this paragraph that says, uh, by inviting us to repent, 
Jesus isn't just calling us to change our bad habits. Well, sorry, part of this is me and the catechism. Doesn't talk like that. Okay, all right, by inviting us to repent, Jesus isn't just calling us to change our bad habits and attitudes. He's inviting us into metanoia, an encounter with him that leads to the repulsion and rejection of sin into a change of heart. When we give God everything, it changes us so completely. This repentance where we just want to turn away from sin and face the Lord. Pope Paul VI expounds on this and he says, um, in an apostolic constitution, he says, that intimate and total change and renewal of the entire man of all his opinions, judgments, and decisions, which takes place in him in the light of the sanctity and charity of God. So this is paragraph 34. That in this change that we have, it's not due to us. It's that, God, we are inviting you through faith, through this docility of the Holy Spirit, to change this worldly favor that we desire into a heavenly favor, which is just, God, I want to love you. I want to love you, and I want to be loved by you. So sisters, we are made by God. And it says, I believe in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. And so we are made by God. God is love. So we are made by love. We are made for love. Like, what is our purpose? It's for love. We are made to be loved and to love others in return. The change that we encounter through Jesus Christ should make us change towards our sisters, towards our brothers, the way that we look at community around us. When we see the poor and impoverished, if we see those who um, are, are marginalized in need, it should move us to encounter and see Jesus in that person and want to love them. Not to other them, but to love them. When we see those who, when we, like those who are, are, are struggling to encounter Jesus because of a lack of social justice. I love that there's a saint who, um, again, another nun story, but there's a saint who went to a prison and he was asked to, uh, he was a priest and he was asked to lead a woman's retreat in a prison. And he was like, they deserve to be there. What do they need God for? But then he goes there and encounters these women and he sees like, oh, they're like, they're like Mary Magdalene and no one is too far from God's love. So he started this ministry in the prison and not only did he start a ministry, he started a religious order of convicts. These women are nuns. There are women who are in prison who are nuns and then they come out of prison and there are nuns and then there are women who want to receive them and love them and, and so they are in community together. No one is too far from the love of God. You know, when Jesus asked that question, what are you seeking? The disciples of John the Baptist, it's funny, they didn't actually answer him. They answered with a question. They're like, where are you going? Where do you live? And I think as I, I perceive that response being something that I would ask, like, what do you want? Um, how about just, where, do you, where are you staying, Jesus? Because the answer is we want Jesus, but sometimes we don't know how to say that. We want to follow him. We want to love him. So it's like, Jesus, I just want to be around you. Where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. Jesus is home. You know how I said this place is a place of safety? That right now, hopefully you're not in any need. Maybe I'll hurry up so you can use the bathroom if you need to do that. But... Um, <laughs> 
This is a place of need or a place of safety. When we think of Jesus, Jesus, where are you staying? Because wherever you are is where I want to be. Jesus, you're home. Jesus, your family, your friendship. Where I feel lonely, Jesus, when I'm with you, I'm not alone. I want community, I want sisterhood, I want friendship, I want, I may not have health, I may not have the right finances, I may not even have the disposition that people will see and they'll want to be my friend, I may have a lot of anger, I may be too much or too little for them, but God, with you, I'm perfect. Home is where you can kick off your shoes and relax your feet. Anyway, you can, sorry, if you're a 90s person, then you know, okay. Uh, Anyway, you can kick off your shoes, you can relax your feet, you can take down your hair, you can put on your bathrobe, you are home. You are comfortable. You don't have to pretend. You can be your most authentic self. Don't we all want that? Don't we all desire that? So he says, come and follow me. The last words of Jesus in John chapter 21, verse 22, he says, come and follow me. First, he asks us, what are we seeking? And he knows the answer that essentially all of these things are wrapped up in him. And so he tells us what to do. Come and follow me. In this world, you will have trouble, but come and follow me. In this world, you are going to find great delight and joy. Come and follow me. In this world, you will find sickness and death. Come and follow me. In this world, you will have a husband or maybe not. Come and follow me. In all that we do, in all that we seek, in the favors that we desire, everything is bound in the goodness of God. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so, so much for seeking us. We love because you loved us first. So we are just responding. Lord, I pray that if there is a question or doubt in our mind, that we can be just so bold as to ask and continue to ask and await your response. Lord, if there is a hurt that we are experiencing, that we can offer that to you, Lord. If there is a joy, an enthusiasm, a triumph, oh, praise be to God, we we offer that to you as well. In all things, Jesus, show us how to follow you. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. Amen.